Welcome to another episode of Criminally Speaking. I'm your host, Michelle Lee. And I'm Ray Dualaby. Today we're going to talk about a story out of Ontario, Canada, in the area of Scarborough, for our Canadian friends up north. But first, I just wanted to take a minute to update you on a story that we talked about several episodes earlier um, about the Hollywood Ripper, Michael Gargiulo. He, his trial finished and he was just convicted of murder and attempted murder. So he will be off the streets. He's still gonna face a trial for the murder out of Chicago of Patricia, I'm sorry, Trisha Picaccio. But um, of the murders in California, the three murders and the um, attempted murder, he is found guilty for. So that's one less person on the streets. How long did he get? I think he got life. Did he? You sent me the link. I know. I think he got life. He should have gotten life. We've been reading so much stuff. I know. Here's the thing, everyone. Like, I'm a single mom, and it's right before school coming back. So I was just telling Ray before we went live that I've been reading and reading all week, and my brain is, like, not retaining anything. I think I'm just so tired that... I have to constantly keep going back to, you know, my sources and that I've been heat. reading. <laughs> and been, the heat, yeah. We've been dealing with a lot of heat. Um, we were going to get this done, this episode done earlier, but we had a lot of rain and, like, thunderstorms that were out of this world crazy. And tonight, in fact, we had a another severe thunderstorm warning, but... Um, it tornado was, warnings in Connecticut. I know, that's crazy. This never, I mean, we never used to get tornadoes and tornado warnings up here, and now it's like a common thing. So, if you hear us have to refer back to sources a lot, don't be surprised right now. The kids go back to school next week, and I'll have a lot more time to devote to doing research. But, he was convicted, so there's that. Um, what we want to talk to you about today is the case known in the media as the Ken and Barbie murders out of Canada. The case of Paul Bernardo and Carla Homolka. Do you know anything about this, Ray? I do. I remember when I I remember when they were arrested and when all of that was going on in the nineties, like mm-hmm. ninety two, ninety three, if yep. I remember correctly, like off the top of my when head. When we worked together at a yeah. record store. Yeah, well that was ninety five. Okay. We were what was happening in ninety five? Anything I don't know. I don't know. Um, but I remember when this happened and I think we were watching like a dateline program on it way back when it actually occurred and it it's pretty grisly mm-hmm. and um Paul Bernardo is what's some good words to describe Paul Bernardo psychopath uh sadistic um sexual sadist is I a, would say and the way they worked as a team was very disturbing. She seemed to me to be the mastermind, and he was the one that executed and did all the dirty stuff. She just prepped it. I think he had the compulsion, and she was excited by that and, and willing participant. Um, I just thought of what was going on in 95, O.J. Simpson. 
95. Yes. Yeah. So that's what was going that on then. High speed chase. Yep, the Bronco. The Bronco. I mean, it was everywhere. So yeah. I don't know how I could say, I don't know. It was like the entire year. That's Again, we can chalk it up to having our brains melted <laughs> and, and dealing with kids. We're old, you guys. Yeah, Sorry. Oh, God. Um, so here's the deal Paul was a little boy whose mom and dad were married. He had a sister. Um, the father was abusive and was eventually arrested for child molestation in the mid-70s. And it came out that he also molested his own daughter, Paul's sister. So Paul had idolized his dad, and this obviously was very devastating to him. He got picked on by his peers as well for being the child of a, a child molester. And his mom was really adversely affected by all of it. She went into a pretty deep depression and withdrew from the family. And all of that pissed Paul off. He he probably wanted her to be strong and to be there for them. And in his mind, the devastating effects that it took on her, he saw as like a weakness. And he started to be abusive towards his mother. Eventually. He would, he would do it in public. He was young. He was yeah. like in his teens. Yeah, he was very demeaning, and it started out like that, and then it kind of escalated um, to the point where they had a blowout fight when he was a teenager. I think he was 16, and she blurted out to him in the middle of a fight, your father wasn't even your real dad. It's like, I don't know what you're so upset about because you're a product of an affair. He's not even your real father. And, and this, it's, it's almost textbook. Yeah, I mean, he's he's 16, you know, he's he's just going through puberty and becoming a man and all of this stuff going on. I don't know. I'm sure it contributed to whatever disgusting things he did in the future. But um, that was kind of the basis for his background. So he did not come from a really happy place. Although prior to all this, everyone that knew him said he was the sweetest little boy they all, in fact, were jealous of his mom, that she had just such a perfect, adorable little boy but with again, the dimples. Once, and Once he started reaching his teens, then all of this stuff came to the surface. And yes. then it came to a head when she said he was illegitimate. Right. And that was basically the beginning of his descent into this sadistic path that he took. Um, his friend... And he used to like to make kind of a game of it where they would go to bars and try to pick up women. They would try to perfect like their pickup lines. And on one of such events, one of these such nights, he met a girl named Carla Homolka, who's also from Canada. Uh, in October of 1987 is when he met her. And right away, they had this really dynamic chemistry uh, that they were almost kind of like obsessed with each other. Um, and what made Carla different from his other girlfriends, because he did have a lot of girlfriends because he was a good looking, you know, guy, charming guy on the surface. Uh, but once these women saw that sadistic, abusive side of him, they bailed. The difference with Carla is that she not only did not bail, she encouraged it and fostered it you know she took part in it she um she was also abused i showed you earlier we were talking about those images that were on google if you look it up you can see they're yeah. really um 
graphic photos of her face after she was beat by him. She has two huge black eyes. You can just tell. I mean, he beat the hell out of her. I mean, like I said to you earlier, I feel as though after this, she, she documented her abuse well. Yeah, she did. The, um, I, I don't know. I, this is my own personal opinion. I don't mm-hmm. want... I don't want anybody to take this as anything but my own opinion. It it just seemed like she was setting herself up for the future. Right. Like if anything were to happen, she had this documented. Well, it's funny you say that because these pictures do end up having a major impact in her fate. Um, So we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. I'm going to rewind just to the late 80s. This is actually... Even before he met Carla. This is in May. Right, the spring of 1987. There were a series of attacks, rapes, and attempted rapes in um, Scarborough, in Ontario. Um, They got more and more frequent, and the violence escalated with each attack. It was probably inevitable that it was going to end in murder. Um, So it was, you know, once once every like two or three months and then it kind of got a little bit more and more frequent what was happening is teen girls were taking buses to travel around the city and he was staking out the bus stations the bus stops and when they would get off the bus by themselves he would follow them and attack them when they got to their house he would stalk them really um, I don't know how much time he put into stock. I don't know if it was like, okay, she got off the bus. I'm going to go follow her home and, and, and get in there right away. Or if it was like, oh, this person's on my radar. I'm going to stalk her for a week, see her routines, and then my, make my move. But that's definitely how they came to be in his um, line of sight at these bus stations. In fact, at one point, a cop spotted someone hiding under a bush, staking out a a bus stop and went to go chase him and he got away. Turns out one of the girls was so detailed in her description of her the attacker that the composite sketch got released in the press and it was like a dead ringer for Paul Bernardo. In fact, his friends busted his balls about it and were like, this looks just like you. I mean, it was like undeniable um, how much it looked like him. So there was a girl that was an, the sister of one of his friends or acquaintances. And she used to hear him talk about his sex life. And he would brag about the sadism and what he would do to women and what he could get them to do. And based on that and the composite sketch, she felt she should let someone know that she had her suspicions. So she did go to the police and gave his name. And this, they is prior, this is prior, prior to, to the murders. Right. And you it's unfortunate. Here. Yeah, there's a siren going in the background right now. But we're real. We're yeah. going to leave that in. You can you can tell that we're in a real place. Yeah, we try to do minimal edits for that reason. I don't want to be too canned. Just kind of want to have a flow. It's a called nice criminally flow. speaking. So that's what exactly what it is. We're right. we're talking about stuff. So you get to hear sirens. Right. But we and were, I know we don't get into, like, the minutia of a lot of these cases. And that's, you know, you guys are encouraged to do your own research and uh, and see what you can dig up for yourselves, too. 
But um, so getting back to Paul Bernardo, he this girl um, gave his name and they the police did call him in. They talked to him for about 35 minutes and shocker, they thought the woman was the one that was suspicious and just trying to get the reward money. And they took him at his, at his word. They did take um, blood and saliva from him. But apparently they did not test it because... That dumbfounds me. They you, backlog the shit out of that got, stuff. But you've got somebody who's guilty. Mm-hmm. Gives them the DNA. And looks exactly like the composite. And yet they don't run the DNA. Yep. And he goes on for a pretty long time. Yeah, and takes lives with yep. it. So he started to get kind of bored with the rapes. Um, ugh. So Carla had a little sister named Tammy who was only 15 years old. And, I'm, they, you know, Tammy looked up to Carla. She idolized her, of course. It's her big sister. And Paul and, and Carla spent a lot of time with Tammy. And they would be like the cool, you know, older bro, older sister and, and her boyfriend who would like buy them liquor and party with them. And so she completely trusted Paul and Carla. Carla was working at an animal hospital at the time and she had access to a lot of drugs used to sedate animals such as ketamine. 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 Halophane. Halcyon. There were all these names that, that I read of drugs that she was able to take from the premises and to use in these crimes. So her idea when she got engaged to Paul, now everyone thought they were like this perfect couple. They were like these two blonde, like, you know, squeaky clean based on appearances from from the outside everyone thought they were just like this perfect little couple but in truth there was some dark stuff going on where carla thought a good wedding present for paul would be to give him her 15 year old sister's virginity what she had done leading up to that was allow paul to fantasize to her sister while she was sleeping, the little girl was sleeping in her bed, and he used to break into her bedroom and masturbate well, you, over her. You also told me that she broke the window. She physically broke the windows in order for it to be easier for Paul to get in there and to stalk her as she slept. Think about this for a minute. All right, you have a sibling. Yeah. Um, imagine your sibling. No. Giving basically giving you up to someone. Yeah. To be sexually assaulted. Not just sexually assaulted. Stalked. Killed. Killed. Yep, well, they didn't try to kill her, but they didn't really care what the consequences would be. So, what happened was, um, I think it was Christmas Eve, or, okay, it was December 23rd. They uh, laced her drink. She was just drinking, like, I don't know, eggnog or something. And they put the drug in it. So she passed out. While she was passed out, he raped her while Carla watched. The parents were upstairs. In the, the house. The parents were in the house. Yes. So all of this was going on. Again, I've, I've probably said this a bunch of times through any of these podcasts. It's like, imagine these parents. 
Like they they have to think about the fact that they were in the house when all of this happened right under their nose and their own daughter Well, they know that now, but at the time I'm talking about yes. I'm talking about dealing with it later. Right. But this is like this is awful. At the time they Paul and, and Carla were so like calm and collected in the face of all of this insanity that they first called nine one one and and convinced the authorities and the emergency services and her parents that it was just a you know she kind of like stopped breathing in her sleep and something was wrong with her medically she had a chemical burn on her face well the thing is they they drugged her first right then they soaked the cloth in halothane and then drugged her again the the halothane halothane is an anesthetic that they put animals under to mm-hmm. do surgery mm-hmm. so they have a cloth like they used it like chloroform they right. held it over her face that's where the chemical burns came from right and that was enough yep but they didn't stop no and um she participated also in fact like i said she she got sexually aroused by her boyfriend's fantasy you know obsession with her own teenage sister who I feel so sad for Tammy because I have two girls and I see the way my little one looks up to my older daughter. I mean, it's like, you know what that is like. You have two daughters. It's like they just want to be with them. They want to, you know, them to think they're cool and to fit in. When they're older, they fight more. Well, yeah. But um, the thing is, it's just like, it's abhorrent to me. Ugh. She took such advantage of her trust. and the trust. Yep. And then the aftermath. That bothers me the most, I think, the aftermath. Like, the thought process afterwards. Like, what you have to go through. And then she just carried on. Her and Paul moved out of the house, told the parents it was because they wanted to give them a chance to grieve. More likely, they didn't want to sit there and watch, you know, the fallout of the consequences of their depraved actions. So they got out of the way. But they just carried on. You know, they carried on. They continued to stay together. This did not deter Carla whatsoever. And uh, the two of them carried on. So the next year, 1991, the summer, June, um, Paul Bernardo was, he was involved in other crimes as well. It wasn't just the sexual stuff. He was also involved in like stealing and um, petty crimes and things such as that. Uh, during one of his lesser crimes that he was committing, he came across a 14-year-old girl named Leslie Mahaffey. Uh, she, this is a really sad story, too. When you talk about parents, when you hear this one, you're going to be like, oh. The mom was, Leslie Mahaffey's mom was angry with her because she missed her curfew. So in order to teach her a lesson, she locked her out of the house. While she was locked out, she came across the boogeyman, Paul Bernardo. And, yeah. So, he took her, blindfolded her, kidnapped her, and drove her to the house. And he told uh, Carla, I got a girl for us. So, they videotaped themselves hurting this girl, torturing her, sexually abusing her, killing her. There's video of all of it. They laughed, they encouraged each other, they taunted the victim, just 
unbelievable. And, and it was all on video, the whole thing. And they so, were listening to music while they did it. Yep. Yeah, they had a soundtrack. It was like a nice little... But you know who they were listening to? Who? Bowie. Oh, really? Bob Marley. Ugh. It's like... It's like, like, come on, man. Who listens to Bob Marley and behaves like an animal, like a monster like that? I don't know. Just this whole... um, You know, they took it to a whole nother level. Like, with Tammy, it was an accident, but they liked it. So with this... They, they went a step further. This is again. beyond deliberate. Yes. And it was beyond disgusting. Yeah. I mean, they really did a number on this girl. Yeah, it, was, it really was bad. And they decided that rather than risk her being able to identify them, that they should kill her. And so they did. Well, the girl made the mistake of saying that her blindfold was slipping. Oh. So... <sighs> That was basically the trigger, and that's... If she didn't say that, she she might be alive today. We don't know, obviously. Yeah. But the thing is, like, the catalyst for the whole... The whole murder is the fact that she could have seen them. Ugh. So, you say your blindfold is slipping, and that's just like, no. I... I don't know. I don't know. And totally disgusting. And then... So, they dismembered her... And put pieces of her body in cement blocks that they left at a lake. And one of them was so big that it just kind of lay near the shore. And someone found it while they were out fishing and discovered the body parts. And that's how Leslie was identified. So now Paul and Carla have a taste, a bloodlust, I guess you could say. They've... They've actually killed someone purposely now. Whereas when Tammy died, it was an accident. This was purposeful. And um, as with everything in his life, the violence that Paul perpetrated every time escalated. And this was no different. In April of 1992, Paul and Carla were driving through St. Catharines actually scouting out, looking for someone to abduct for a victim. They were actually looking to do it. Yeah. They wanted to repeat. They had so much fun in the Leslie Mahaffey murder that, excuse me, they wanted to repeat it. So almost a year went by, the cooling off period, and they saw a girl walking by herself home from from school. 15-year-old girl named Kristen French. So they pulled over, mind you, this is broad daylight, in the middle of a crowded street, people around, and pretended to need help, some assistance. So Kristen walked over towards the car, and Carla kind of distracted her, and Paul grabbed her and threw her in. At knife point. At knife point, yep, and forced her in the car and drove off. Now, this was witnessed... By several people. Um, So Kristen was a very responsible girl and she always went straight home to take care of her dog. And so when she didn't arrive like she did every other day, her parents immediately knew that something terrible had happened because she would have been home otherwise. So the cops were notified really soon after. And right around the same time, they started getting reports from people that had witnessed 
the abduction. So they did know that she was abducted, and they also found one of her shoes at the scene. So they knew it was a forceful thing. She did not go willingly. Um, What they did was they took her back to their house and videotaped themselves for Easter weekend. Over the whole weekend. While everyone's with their families, you know, anyone that celebrates Easter is with their families, have an Easter dinner. Paul and Carla were videotaping themselves, torturing, torturing raping, and raping. And, and they even cut her hair. Like, they, they totally dehumanized this girl. She had long, beautiful, thick black hair, and they cut all her hair off. So, I mean, even, like, psychological torture, like... Anything they could think of to demean and terrify this girl and hurt her, they did. And they, they didn't even bother to blindfold her this time. Well, that's what the prosecutor, that was the prosecutor's main thing they intended to Yes, this, this was clearly premeditated. Because previously they had blindfolded the right. last victim and the blindfold was slipping off mm-hmm. and that's when they made the decision so now no blindfold right going into this they didn't care they didn't that care. she saw them they knew what they were going to do they were going to repeat it she tried to get away mm-hmm. and she was beaten with a rubber mallet oh god so I mean they just they did everything to hurt this girl yeah and then finally they ended up strangling her with a rubber hose Ugh. and they tied they tied the hose to a chest so it's just like she couldn't she couldn't do anything about it right so uh so they did find her um about two weeks later in a ditch not far from ironically the place that leslie mahaffey their first murder victim was buried so um, there were some other victims that um, were raped that were not killed, like we talked about earlier, the Scarborough victims. And there was actually a guy that was convicted of one of those attacks, excuse me, a man named Robert Beltovich. Uh, he kept saying he was innocent, but he was already convicted of the murder of his girlfriend at the time, and nobody believed him. So he was convicted of this murder, and... I'm sorry, of this rape or attempted rape. But it turned out when they caught Paul that he copped to that. So so there was someone serving time for a crime that Paul committed. So that did get reversed. It um, took a while. It did take a while. It always does. It took a long while. So he confessed to a lot of assaults. But um, what was his final... Well, I guess we'll get to that, the investigation and the arrest. So, like I said, he Paul Bernardo had already been on their radar at one point because people said he looked like the composite and that girl turned him in, the, the sister of his acquaintance turned him in because of her suspicions based on what he told her about what he liked sexually and what he did in his private sexual life. So... They did question him several times. So what was the thing, Ray, that finally brought them down? If you remember correctly what we talked about in the beginning, he submitted DNA. Right. And I think it was two years, a little a little more than two years. 
Um, Carla was beaten severely. Mm-hmm. But he said it was an automobile accident. Okay. So the DNA samples came to light after they were investigating because I guess he he was going to kill himself. Okay. And they brought attention to that and it just it just dug everything up. So um, so it was basically him, his physical attack on Carla that was the impetus for the arrest. Mm-hmm. And that's ironic. But, and also, he's like making up stories. He's like, she was in a horrible car right. accident. Stuff that um, did not really match the injuries. and Plus, she went to work bruised. Mm-hmm. She, so she wanted to be seen. I guess, I don't know what was going on, but I, in like my own gut, I think she kind of knew stuff was coming to a head. So, all of this stuff that led to it, Mm -hmm. which we want to get to, like, the deals and everything. Because at this point, the police are viewing Carla Homolka as a victim. A battered spouse. Yes. And if you see these pictures of her, you can understand why. So, they're believing that she is under his control and that she's terrified of the beatings and... So she doesn't speak out about what she knows because she's afraid of him. She's terrified. And she leaves. He leaves a suicide note because he wants to kill himself. Blah, Mm. blah, blah. Um, And then the DNA gets turned in. Okay. And then they they finally find out that his DNA is a match for the Scarborough rapist. Mm Mm-hmm. And obviously this just... Snowballs, Right. So he's under surveillance. She was under surveillance. He was under surveillance. Yeah. Um, everything just started to... Didn't she tell someone? So after they got a positive ID with his DNA mm-hmm. as the Scarborough rapist. Right. That night, Carla told her aunt and uncle that they were involved in the rape and murder of the two girls, French and... Mahaffey. Mahaffey. She also told them, I guess in great detail, that there were videotapes of everything. They murdered them, they raped them, they did everything. So, I guess this is what she was focusing on, but she was also focusing on the fact that he had beaten her. Right. So... The focus on the fact that she was beaten by him made it look like he was coercing. But right, now, right. now these videotapes... They Which have no to, one has seen yet. Well, no. Nobody saw them yet because they have to get a search warrant. Mm-hmm. Now she's trying to get immunity. Okay. All right. So... Of course she is. But because of her involvement in the crime, they're not going to grant her total immunity. Right. So, um, also... They had to be um, respectful of the premises while they're searching with their search warrant because they can't destroy the walls looking for the tapes. They can't do things, you know, they can't do anything destructive. They ha- I guess the tapes mainly, and they have to view the tapes in the house. Oh, wow. So by viewing in the house, I don't mean they have to actually, I don't know if they had to actually physically watch them in the house, but they have to see them 
in the house. So you mean to tell me even though they had a match for his DNA for being this rapist, this serial rapist, that they still had to be careful in his house? Respectful. That's insane. So they couldn't tear the house to pieces looking for the tapes. They had to be visible. They knew that those crimes were recorded but start to end. Them. Yeah, but too I don't know late. If they, I don't know if they got them all, but yeah, too late. Because Apparently already... they, yeah, she, she did end up going to jail for, she was offered an immunity deal for 12 years. And they told her, you have, like, you need to accept this deal, like, today. If you don't, we're not even going to give you, like, time to think about this, basically. If you're not going to take this deal, then we're going to go full bore at you. We're going to charge you with first-degree murder for both of them and second-degree murder with for Tammy. There's too much against her. Right. And so she is not stupid, and she took the deal. So she knew that no matter what, worst-case scenario, she's going to spend 12 years in jail, and she she'd served, still be did young. Did she serve the whole 12 years, or was she released early? Uh, we know she's out now. Yeah. When you guys hear what she's up to now, oh my gosh. And tell us. So, so Paul is in jail for life. He's, yeah, he's not going And didn't you post recently that he's even still getting in trouble behind bars? Yeah, he's still getting in trouble behind bars. Um, So he's just a menace. Yeah. And he's he's, never going to get out. He can't not be a criminal. Yeah. He's, he's, you can't rehabilitate this guy. Right. Now she... Now, she did get out, and she married her lawyer's brother. Knowing what she did, her lawyer's brother married her and had children with her. Why? Okay. Now, it gets even better from there. Um, At one point, now, she was granted a name change so she could be anonymous and not have to answer for these terrible crimes that she committed, and she could be living next to you, and you'd have no idea. So um, the media tracked her down. Volunteering at an elementary school. That's where Carla Homolka was. Now, how, like... It was her kid's school. It doesn't matter. No, I mean, it doesn't matter, but it's like... If it's, someone was volunteering at my daughter's school and I found out she raped and tortured and murdered young girls, girls... I would lose my mind. 14, 15-year-old girls. Yes. So, no matter... All what. minors. School children... So that's the deal with that. Now, here's the really scary thing. Years later, the videotapes were discovered. And on the tapes, after she had told the police like she was basically abused into participating, she didn't want anything to do with it, the tapes dispelled every single one of those myths. Uh, it showed her not only like participating, but like egging it on, being really excited about it, and also raping the girls as well. All of it right on, right on film. Which brings me to the point where I really think she knew something was going to happen, and once he beat her with the flashlight, mm-hmm. that was the green light to get the ball rolling. To, it, to me, I see it a little differently. I see it as she didn't give a shit about his violence as long as she was having fun with it. But the minute it turned against her like that... But she pushed the domestic abuse prior to her involvement coming out. Mm -hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? She was like kind of laying the groundwork. To me, that's... Like I said, it's all my own personal 
my own personal thought. Like, like we talk about this stuff, and we watch enough stuff and read enough stuff where it's like the putting two and two together. It's like, well, she definitely has a deviant. Oh, yeah. Manipulative, like calculated mind. She is this terrifying person. But he if you're was... listening to this, yes, I mean it, Carla. I'm sorry, but that's crazy. And we don't really care if you're listening to it <laughs> or not because you're a criminal. <laughs> you're a criminal of the worst. You killed kind. children and essentially got away with it because even if she served all 12 years, I'm sorry, but Leslie Mahaffey and Kristen French and Tammy Amolka are not going to walk out of their graves 12 years later. And don't forget, she supported his sadistic behavior. Yep, which led to and it's a 50, the escalation. Deal. They yes. both did it. So it's like, he can't take the fall, she can't take the fall, together they take the fall. Mm-hmm. So it's like, they both did it. They were in it together. I, as a woman, am appalled that, I mean, that a woman could do these things because... I think this transcends gender. I of course, everyone... but I mean, women in general, we all know, like there's things that you fear that men would never even think to be afraid women of. Women in general are not rapists. Right. Women in general avoid blood. Right. Well, women in general, like if you look at, well, for the most part, I can see a woman being a poisoner. Usually, I've said this before when we talked about warmest. Usually when there's a female killer, they tend to go for soft kill methods. Right, exactly. Like pills, like poison, like stuff. Exactly. Um, things that aren't going to leave They don't mess. tend... Yeah, they don't generally stab and someone to death. by a mess, I don't mean like, you know, kitchen cleaning kind of stuff. I'm right. talking about blood. No, right. And, um, they, and they generally don't sexually molest other women. I mean, I know it happens. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. Please. But... Well, there's um, a lot of... There's a lot of, like... Um, what came to the forefront too was like they were, for the longest time people thought that serial killers don't cross ethnic lines, right? And it's like we in Atlanta we, well, the, not Atlanta but like um, Jeffrey Dahmer for instance. Yep. White yep. male killing. See the thing people. was that it's behavioral sciences was like a baby, you know, well, yeah, in, the, in, in the late seventies. And it just only now is what 30 40 40 years on is it like and and they're still changing things as they go like I've seen you know profilers used to be on TV and say like what you said like this doesn't happen this doesn't happen right. and then reality happens and no it proves that it does There's no serial killer Right there's you can't fit everything into one one mold right it's just not possible so to say that a woman doesn't do this or a man doesn't do that yep um or a black man doesn't do this and a white man doesn't do this you know you just don't know you don't know what's going on in the psyche of a human being yeah because it could be one small little chemical imbalance that makes them that apathetic monster. Yep. Or they might already have a predisposition to it, and then something happens to them. The whole nature-nurture thing. You don't know that. Right. You don't know that. Right. Everyone's different. Everyone's different. So you don't know who's the the nut next to you that could have, like, 42 bodies in their basement. And And you also don't know when they're going to snap, either. Right. Or what's going to make them snap. Right. I mean, we see it all the time in news now, you know, these young white guys going into Mass all these places. Yeah. It's awful. Yep. But the thing is, it's like, what is in their brain that triggers that? The right and wrong switch. Right. Do they have one? 
Yeah, it's scary. And it feels like people are less empathetic now. Well, and also, it's the way people react and the way people point fingers and the way it's like before you point a finger, you need to know everything and don't pay attention to the news because you only get a skewed view of every single thing that's going on. So it's like you don't know what this guy was really like in real life. He could have been completely off the charts and nobody paid attention to it. Yeah. You know, and it's just like... Well, hindsight is twenty twenty. I don't, I don't want to... I'm not trying to make light of it, but I mean, we're old enough. You remember Saturday Night Live? When, yeah. When Eddie Murphy played Buckwheat? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember Buckwheat has been shot? Do you remember no. that? You don't remember that? All right, so I shouldn't tell a story. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it was... It was the way the news handled the situation. Yep. And it was the way they put it in your face constantly. I repeat, Buckwheat has been shot. Ladies and gentlemen, Buckwheat is dead. Over and over and over again. Um, And it's the way it is. It's like this... They're trying to make sure we get the point. But that also has a chilling, desensitizing effect. Exactly. Yep. Because we see it on the news so it's saturated. much, nobody's going to feel anything about it anymore. Yep. And it's the same thing with serial Haven't there killers. been like studies of that where they show people these disturbing images and eventually their brain shows like less response? Yeah, you become apathetic. To the violence. You become apathetic. But now they want to blame video games. This takes me back to the 80s when they were blaming yeah. heavy metal. Yes. Um... No. Yeah, we've lived through this before. No. It's the person. Right. Something is wrong with the person. So the inanimate well, objects, the the games, the toys, the, the movies, everybody has a reality and non-reality switch in their brain. So if you watch a movie, you need to know that it's not real. If you can't make... If you can't discern what's real and what's not real, something went wrong in your upbringing or you have a chemical imbalance. Yeah. I'm very curious as to why it's so overwhelmingly a a white male problem with these, like, mass shootings. You don't generally see women do that. I know there was a woman named Brenda. I don't remember her last name. Well, what we've done is we've successfully created the white male stereotype. It's Now it's a stereotype. A mass shooter is a white male who's mentally ill. Well, it's a white male who's mentally ill who has very easy access to guns. Well, that's... everybody has very easy access to guns. Right, and, that's, and that's a problem. No. Because we have mentally ill people walking the, around. the focus on the gun... But it's... there's mentally ill people in every other country, Ray. The difference is the gun laws. Right. So That's what I'm talking about. The gun itself, no. The laws, Yes. Yep. It needs and people to be. say, oh, laws won't make a difference because people are going, okay, well, if that's the case, then why have any laws, you guys? Why make murder illegal? Because people still kill. Yeah. it's it, those that's, the, that's a bunk argument that really people, only benefits the, you the know. The people that are doing it are the people that just don't have a care in the world. They don't know right and wrong and they don't give a crap. So to monitor monitor them and police them is going to be a different, because even some of those hide in plain sight. Yeah. They, Dennis Rader. Although a lot of people did say that he was like an unpleasant person. Like there's definitely something about these people, most of them, that people say with hindsight, well, you know, they were a little. You keep saying it and that's what I'm going to go back to. Right, right. It's hindsight. Well, I think people have a tendency to like, 
I mean, if I see someone that's a little off, sometimes I tend to rationalize it. Like, or downplay it. Because you're like, why would you and think someone's going to go to that extreme? You don't know what's going on in their life right now. Right. So, again... That, that's the empathy. Human that, empathy. Human empathy. And then it's like, Jeffrey Dahmer. You don't know what's going on in his life right now. He had a freezer full of bodies. Yep. You know, he had a bed frame that he was designing out of human bones. Yeah, But it's was... like... But you don't know this. He's just a guy working in a chocolate factory. Right, a quiet guy that keeps Kept to, himself. to himself. That's also a cliche. That's the cliche. <laughs> it is. It is a. It is a cliche. Although Dennis Rader broke that cliche too. You yes, know. He did. See, that's the thing is that they're smart. They are cunning. They study these things so deeply Dennis that they Rader know how caught? to alter. Why did Dennis Rader get his caught? ego? Exactly. It's always the ego. He could have gone on and on and on and on, but he had to mail He's his like, compulsion. But he was also in his heyday in the 70s. Yeah. He yeah, he wasn't a trans- young dude anymore. Not just that. And but he tried to technology. transcend technology. Yes. And, and the way... Can you imagine, when they interviewed him, the cops, he said to the... I'll never forget this. To me, this was the craziest thing that he said... And believe me, this guy was way out there and, and a terrible person. But he, like, leaned over and was like, can I ask you something, Ken, to the cop? And he's like, yeah. He's like, why'd you lie to me? When I asked you about the floppy disk that I sent, you told me it couldn't be traced. Why'd you lie to me? He goes, because we were trying to catch you. And I'm like, how does he not? He's just ar- He was arrogant. He honestly believed that he and this guy were... On the same level, they were, you know, they were worthy adversaries. He also thought that he shouldn't be the one being lied to. Yeah. He's even then he wanted to remain in control. That's insane. Of course, it's insane. Insane. I know. His daughter actually just wrote a book that came out in January, or maybe it was the summer. I just saw her on like a 2020 special. And uh, I didn't even know it was going to be on. So I caught it randomly because I never watched that show. And so I do want to pick that book up too. Speaking of books. Yes. There is a book that is going to be released in December, I believe. I will have to double check that because I want to make sure that it's not October. But it's a book by one of my favorite true crime authors named Greg Olson. And I got an advanced copy, so I'm going to be reading that, and we're going to talk about it on the show, and if we're lucky, we can maybe get Greg on the line to speak to us about the book, and we can pick his brain a little bit. So if you guys have any questions that you'd like us to forward to Greg Olson on your behalf, please tweet us at criminallypod, or you can find us at uh, on Facebook. Uh, by putting criminally speaking in the search bar. We also have an email address. Which is criminally speaking at gmail.com. Um, look for actually the book review after school starts. Yes, because I do need yes. to have time to read the book. Yes. So it may take a few weeks, but I just wanted to let you guys know that that's coming. And we're looking forward to, to reading that as well. And we're going to wrap it up here, I think. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to say? No, it's getting hot and sweaty because we can't put the air conditioner on because you hear it. I know. So we are suffering so that you may have a more enjoyable listening experience. I'm such a martyr. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So 
have a good weekend, you guys. A nice week. And we'll be back next week. I'm not sure what we're going to be talking about next time. But we do have... We have some uh, stuff that we need to work on. Yep. And there was a case out of Pennsylvania that was pretty interesting that we're looking at, too. So we will um, we'll be back next week with some more Criminally Speaking. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Michelle Lee. I'm Ray Wallaby. Stay safe and, and pay, pay attention. attention to details.